0: Hello and welcome to another episode of In The Seam Podcast. I'm your host, JP Ross, and today we have two guests, Adam Shirley and Hamp Cross. They are from Blue Line Outfitters. YouTube channel and I have really gotten to uh, enjoy their work and uh, we're starting to do some some collaborative work together their content is awesome and they are the epitome of small stream anglers you should see how great they can roll cast and bow and arrow cast well getting to know these guys has been awesome in fact just this week Jeff Kimball if you follow us Jeff is an artist that does a lot of the trout art on our fly rods and on our reel seats, and Jeff was actually driving down to Florida, and we had him meet up with Adam and did some fishing down there, so you're going to hear about that. But Adam and Hamp are from northern Georgia, and to think that there are wild brook trout in Georgia is just amazing to me. So we're going to talk about that, and I hope you can pull up a chair or lean back in your seat while you're driving and enjoy this episode of In the Seam Podcasts with Blue Line Outfitters. I just wanted to see you for a second. Then I can <laughs> turn it back off. So are you guys in Georgia? Right now? Yes, yes. So the weather looks mm-hmm. yes, sir. looks nice. Um, are you in a heated porch? Or is that, is that screens?
1: uh this is uh, i caught the sunroom it's just glass so hopefully it's not too echoing here
0: (laughs) no it's it's nice i just i it's we're dealing with uh i guess the new spring of upstate new york it's valentine's day and i think uh we've got flowers that are going to bloom here soon if if uh mother nature doesn't get her shit together um looks like you guys you have no leaves right so you're you're in the thick of winter is that right
2: yeah, it's just it depends on the day, you know, it can be 70 or be 40 tomorrow.
0: So, oh, that's crazy, that's awesome!
2: Yeah. Cool.
0: Well, so he's um, supposed to be
2: back in the 40s for the weekend.
0: Yeah, that's nuts. Uh, we're actually going to be heading down to um, uh, Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge on Thursday and stay there for a couple of days and then head down to um, Tallahassee just south of Tallahassee with the kids for our winter vacation so i don't i don't know if you oh. guys have stomped around a little bit in the smokies i assume you have
1: oh yes sir yeah, a lot yeah a lot <laughs> yeah a lot we're gonna, mm-hmm.
0: well actually that was a a little bit of a lead-in question because i know that you guys i saw some of your stuff of your different adventures you've done mapping out fish um so are are you okay with leaving the video on so i can see you or no is that all right yeah yeah that's fine yeah, it's good it's good to see you so um well welcome what's that what so just don't put it up in a post office <laughs> we'll be okay <laughs> no don't worry <laughs> i know i've got I'm, my name's been in the police blotter a couple times don't worry we're in the same, same <laughs> um well welcome adam and hamp welcome to the to the podcast great to have you well,
2: thanks Sir. great to be here to be here yeah
0: oh awesome so this is so cool because i i knew about you um made the connection and then all of a sudden you ordered a rod and you're like i think you're the only person that has a youtube channel that just ordered something from me and didn't ask it for free so i appreciate that (laughs) that's really nice but as you know we'll be we'll be um upgrading uh you guys and i want to get you as much stuff as possible um because i think your your thing is great so if you don't mind, why don't you lead in and and each of you introduce yourselves and talk a little bit too about um, about the the YouTube channel and and where people can find you at Blue Line Outfitters. So go ahead, Adam. Why don't you start?
1: Okay. Well, I, I'll let Ham start. It was his brainchild. I just was along for the ride. Okay. <laughs> we we'll let her um, rip.
2: Yeah, actually, I uh, I'm Ham from Georgia, but. I, uh, I grew up, my father was actually a fishing guide. So, uh, from the time I was about 18 for about 10 years, I was actually a a full-time fishing guide fished about 300, 325 days a year, um, worked out in Wyoming, some worked up in Alaska. And, uh, as I actually got out of doing it full time, I actually started doing some videos just with my cell phone, you know, just short videos. And a lot of people started saying, oh, you should get a GoPro. And I really didn't for several years. So the funniest part is, uh, I started working with Adam and we actually traded some, uh, hunting equipment, I believe. And I got a GoPro in the trade. So it's actually Adam's fault that I ever got a GoPro. And, uh, so we started filming some videos and decided to make blue line outfitters, YouTube channel. And, uh, that was kind of a name we had thrown around for a little while. So. We started out, you know, it's pretty crazy. YouTube channel with zero subscribers and zero content, so it's kind of neat to see it grow from there.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. It's great. And um, so, in the Adirondacks, where I'm from, the Blue Line is referred to the to the border of the Adirondacks when it first was. Um, when it first was mapped, it was mapped with a blue line. And the Adirondack Mountains are still kind of referred to as going into the Blue Line, but blue lining. I assume blue line is in streams, right? On maps.
2: Yeah, it's actually a lot of people don't know this about our channel, but um, number one, yeah, blue lines are obviously you know your blue lines on a map or your small creeks. But Adam and I are actually both in law enforcement, so it kind of has a double meaning there oh, for blue awesome.
0: line. Well, that's cool. You should, you, I guess, you keep that as a little Easter egg, but that's awesome. Well, <laughs>
2: yeah, it's uh, you know it, it is what it is in 2022, but that's what we do for a living. So it kind of has double meaning to us.
0: Well, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. We don't, at least on this podcast, we don't put up with any of that horse shit. We respect you law officers (laughs) and we appreciate you very, very much, very much. Um, both you and our, and the armed forces protecting our freedom. So thank you very much for that. That's cool that you got kind of a double meaning. Um, so, uh, Adam, what about you? So you're the, so it's your fault, by the way. So good job.
1: Right, yep. I, uh, <laughs> as him would say, I'm kind of the uh, the techy side of this. I uh, I get real into electronics and stuff. So when uh, we would working together, we our first trip, I should say, we really started doing traveling together. He asked me to go elk hunting with him. So I was like, you know, I've been to Wyoming. I really like that. So we we went to Wyoming, hunted. Then we, of course, if you from south georgia or did south and you go to nine thousand feet elevation after about the third day you quit breathing <laughs> so we had to take uh basically a, a break day so was, he's like hey you want to go trout fishing and i was like sure you know so he brought him a fly rod so of course from that day forward i was it was i was hooked i <laughs> uh i was hooked small stream fishing in uh, wyoming it was done after that so we get back uh, he's talking about going fishing and he's still at this time, probably booking some trips. So everything I've learned, I've learned it from him. Uh, he's been an excellent teacher to me. And I've just, I've really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm a lot newer than he is to this uh, sport. I haven't done any cross state guiding or anything like that. So I'm kind of the, I'm kind of the apprentice here. Um, I think I've, I've done okay. Uh, but started with the one GoPro then it kind of started getting catchy so I was like you know what how about how about let's get a second angle so I got me a GoPro then you know you get to thinking you're like how about we get us a big camera so I stole my wife's uh a DSLR <laughs> we have repurposed it for blue line outfitters uh <laughs> so at some point in time I'm to either probably get her a new one or uh somehow so but, yeah, just been on after that, and we, we've been traveling ever since. We uh, This past summer, we uh, completed our expert level uh, Western Native Trout Initiative uh, certificates. Yeah, yeah we we'll talk uh, about that. I want... That one.
0: was in your email talking about that. Yes, sir. What is that? I'm Hemp, sorry. got
1: way more fishing. I do. Uh, the Western Native Trout Challenge is like, uh, I think the S- expert casting level is six native species in four different states
0: okay i
1: think ham can probably uh go way more often than that and, and, and you mentioned adam a
0: adam just to i hate to i mean i'm sorry but i kind of want to plug it because i think it's cool you said four out of the six you got on the beaver meadow uh, yes sir absolutely
1: that's a, i sure did that's that six and a half foot uh three weight
0: so these are really these are cool um initiatives and um you also mentioned in your email about the, the Utah cutthroat slam, too, right? Mm. Yes, and, sir. And that's different, we, different uh, we species? Uh, yeah. Different, it, different strains, Utah,
2: right? Uh, yeah, it's got the, uh, the Bonneville and then the Bear River, which is in there between a Bonneville and a, a Yellowstone, and then the Colorado River cut as well as the Yellowstone cut. But uh, Utah – I actually, uh, the first time I ever did, I did the Wyoming cutthroat challenge back in the late nineties, early two thousands. And, uh, so this was, I, I basically tried to collect those state challenges, you know, every summer. Uh, I'm one brook trout short of a, a New Mexico, uh, state challenge. So wow. Utah it was really cool because it's desert, you know, it's really, I mean, it's a really dry place, so. Catching those native fish in tiny, tiny creeks was actually probably some of the coolest fishing I've ever done.
0: That is that is really cool. You guys are going to have to get an apartment up here because we've got uh, about well over fifty different strains of brook trout in New York. So we're, oh, we're wow. I'm going to get to know you pretty good. <laughs> That's
1: right. Oh yeah, That's
0: the New right. York Slam. I like checking those
1: boxes. <laughs> That's yeah. cool.
0: So I did want to. So I want to jump into this with you guys in regards to your passion for natives and um mm-hmm. you know so first of all i do want to i want to tell you your the youtube channel is awesome because you have so much content and lots of times people don't have content and i will strongly recommend that everyone goes to you to the blue line outfitters youtube channel we'll put a link on here and you have a lot of content which is great you know if you're if you're for me you know sometimes i'm in my son's room and trying to get him to go to sleep and i'm looking at stuff on my phone i just hours and hours of stuff to watch on your channel (laughs) but you have chosen you don't really uh you know it's the the big the big fish the grip and grin all that stuff that's not you you guys are like native fish little you know tiny little fish i want you to talk about that why i mean and and then all these different challenges what's the deal with these native fish because i'm right (laughs) there with you
2: Uh, for for me uh i'll I'll say i actually spent 10 years. Guiding on private trophy fish, and that was the majority of my guiding, you know, besides being out west or in Alaska, that was all native fish. But the the core of my guiding was here in northeast Georgia on pay to fish venues that have managed streams with huge fish. And uh, quite honestly, in 10 years, netted thousands I mean, 10,000, 20,000 huge fish, you know, in that amount of time. So to me, it's kind of a been there, done that. You know, there was a, when I was a much younger person, you know, I wanted to catch a 30 inch rainbow, you know, that was a a goal of mine. And I'll check that box, but it's really the biggest thing though, is, is the places, you know, uh, most of your big fish creeks, while they're pretty in their own, you know, most of them are lower, lower elevation streams, the bottom of a watershed where you have bigger water. And to me, I think uh, probably the first time I ever watched a snake river cutthroat, on the Grays River, come up and eat the dry flies. They're literally the color of the rocks. So, we see that native fish, you know, involved in that place that matches the habitat. And a, a rock leaves the bottom of the creek and comes up and eats your fly, and it's a trout, but it looks so much like a rock laying there in front of you, you didn't see it. To me, I think that that connection between the fish and where they're supposed to be, that native habitat. And, and even on that, I would say that, you know, rainbows stick out, everybody's got rainbows, and you know, across the country, but... When I was in Alaska fishing up in Katmai National Park, the rainbows are actually the exact same color as that volcanic rock. They will your your eyes will hurt sight fishing to those rainbows during the course of a day, trying to pick them out. So it's kind of neat to see even rainbows that don't get a lot of credit in the, in the world in their native habitat are pretty cool. Mm-hmm. They they look you know they match up. So to me, it's catching the fish where they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest draw for me. And, uh, and honestly, I'm a, I'm a collector of things. I I like collecting things. So (laughs) if you give me 25 different kinds of fish to catch, I want to catch every one
1: of them. So that's that's my, my take on it.
0: How about you, Adam? Uh,
1: For me, um, I just, I'll echo what he said, like the places going and seeing basically the last remaining areas that they are native. They have lived for almost a thousands of years. To me is super cool. Um, I wish. I think we'll probably talk about this soon. But I wish we could do more in our area, which we're trying. uh It's just a slow process, as you, as you know. Um, but I just really like being out there. I really like uh seeing them. Just, I don't know. I just he's made me have a passion for it.
0: So, so. Uh, you know, a lot of people tell me they listen to the podcast while they're driving, and I just want to come back to the fact that you guys are in georgia and we're talking about yes, you correct. know we're talking about wyoming you know and and uh, and cutthroat trout and all that stuff let's get to where you are right now freaking brook trout in georgia what the i mean sure. holy That's shit so. t- i mean I, so i you know you mentioned I, I was i was watching one of the channels and and i think adam was talking about how it's cool that they've been there since since the ice age and the truth is is the the ice never got down to you guys but um they were there and during the ice age the last ice age we're gonna call it fourteen thousand years ago and certainly after the ice receded you would think i mean georgia peaches uh you you know you're next to florida like freaking brook trout is this is crazy is there like one stream in georgia that has brook trout i mean what tell me about this no,
2: this no. is nuts yeah uh, <clears throat> a lot of people when you when you think georgia you think you know flat close to florida but we're in the extreme northeast corner which actually most of northern the the very northern i don't know i we'll would throw a number out there the northern fifth of it or so is mountainous mm-hmm. and you know we have mountains up to uh uh, probably 4,000 feet close. I mean, our, our tallest mountain in Georgia, I think it's right around 4,000 feet. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but no, I think, I think there's around 80 streams in Northeast Georgia or North Georgia that have brook trout. And I would say most of them are, there's a few over around the Cahutta area in Northwest Georgia, but definitely from central to Northeastern Georgia, you, you have them, and, but they're all, uh, go ahead.
0: No, this, this is great. I keep going. I got a, I got a question for you, but oh, I was going to say,
2: yeah, uh, what, what we have left here in Georgia though, they're all above a barrier falls. Mm-hmm. And, uh, as, as, as the creeks come out of the mountains, you know, a lot of them are only a half a mile to a mile and then they'll drop over a waterfalls anywhere from 15 to, you know, pushing a hundred feet tall. And, uh, basically they were below that at some point, but as rainbows got introduced and brown trout, and he had a lot of logging in the thirties and, uh, basically we have a ton of wild rainbows as well in those creeks that were actually stocked back in the thirties at that time when after they logged it. But the only brook trout left are basically above those barrier falls where they never could you know got competed with by rainbows. Gotcha. So it's a pretty short area on all of them.
0: I gotcha. So I'm gonna come I'm gonna come back to this topic you're talking about right now, but before while it's still on my mind I'll take some notes too. The um you mentioned like 80 streams that have brook trout in them. Are you guys of the mindset at all where you're like trying to go discover the eighty first and the eighty second, or are they all known? You know what I mean. I I think I think at
2: Georgia they hold back to brookie, which you're you're probably familiar with that back to brookie project through TU.
0: Yeah, and
2: uh, the Eastern Trout Initiative or whatever they did a while back. I think they actually spent some money cataloging those streams. Mm-hmm. so i think most of them have been discovered i have been i have especially as a younger man in my teenage years when i could drive and in my early 20s i would go i fished a bunch of stuff that was tiny you know that nobody fished and some of it had brook trout in it a lot of it had rainbows in it um since then uh, one of my favorite streams was maybe only a quarter mile long had some really nice brookies ended up 10 11 inches long And a tornado came across it probably seven, eight years ago. And just the sun, I think just the temperature change, there's no brook trout left in it. So uh, I've spent a lot of time exploring but there's, there's also some, you know, we've done a whole lot of internet research and from those studies and made a checklist and we spent last summer checking a lot of those off that we hadn't fished.
1: Mm -hmm. I know your uh, organization does sports. So genetics and hemp had dug up an old study that they had done for genetics and had listed like the top uh, what 10 or 20 streams. And so we, and they were, they categorized them, you know, Northern to Southern and like the hybrids in between. So we had made it a, a priority for us to go catch the pure Southern Appalachian brook trout streams. So we had spent pretty much all summer traveling around and hitting these streams and going up remote places to catch the Georgia pure Southern Appalachian brook trout. And we pretty much, got them nearly all of them except for the very far west georgia That's
0: true. so for um for us up here with this with this trout power initiative our the cataloging of these brook trout and and genetically finding these strains our fear um and it's funny how like it's human nature that once you find these things i don't know how you guys are but once you find these brook trout you love them so much and then you then you start to almost get like melancholy because you're like oh man, I don't know how long they're going to be here, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm curious, like you mentioned, like here's this quarter mile stream, a tornado comes through. I'm assuming, uh, our, the hypothesis is that, uh, tree cover and stuff was taken down and then the water temperature spiked and that population's gone. Is, is that, is that happening more? I mean, can you talk about this and, and your fear of what's going to happen to these fish?
2: I, I think, uh, I think being at the extreme southern end of brook trout habitat, we probably have it worse than, I mean, it's more of a concern, I guess, you know, in Georgia than it would be North Carolina and Tennessee populations are way better than Georgia is because we're absolutely at the, the southern edge of what a brook trout can withstand. So, yeah, as, uh, you know, natural events and whatever you want to climb, you know, higher summer temperatures and droughts and all that absolutely has played a factor in. And those populations being gone
0: as so um adam anything you want to say on that
1: i uh i think uh no i was trying to formulate what i'm gonna say i know in the smokies we fish some spots i think but that has to do with rock formations and stuff like that and of course acid rain with our cities down here we get a lot of acid rain i think is uh, affecting the populations a lot but
0: really mm-hmm. that's again that's new to i didn't know about that well if you know for us here acid rain rights coming from the uh from the the central um well we'll call it uh, the industrial revolution really you know spiked in um chicago detroit and the midwest and all that stuff goes into the atmosphere and then the the Adirondacks got hammered with acid rain. And we can talk about that a lot about um, what that does for us. The dissolving of the aluminum is the real thing that hurts the fish. I don't know if, is it the same thing for you guys that the, it's really not the acid, so to speak. It's the pH dissolving trace elements that, that mm-hmm. toxifies yeah, that's, the water.
2: That, that's, the, that's definitely the issue. And, you know, honestly, I don't think anybody's spending time on that in Georgia. I think the Smokies up in the, in the national park, you know, I've done some research and have shown the effects that it's, that it's had there, but Georgia is probably, nobody's ever really looked at it to my knowledge. Right.
0: How about human population growth? You you kind of touched on that for a second that you were saying it was probably, it's more natural temperatures changing North Carolina. You think that that's more population growth than you guys, but can you talk about that too?
2: I, I think, uh, You know, the good thing about North Georgia is we have a huge amount of National Forest Service lands. So you have some, you know, you have more users, but as far as it being, um, you know, turned into housing and stuff like that, a lot of it is really protected at this point. Mm -hmm. So while we definitely have a huge, we're about an hour north of Atlanta. So we're basically slowly over the years of becoming a suburb of Atlanta. Basically, a lot of people commute from here, you know, to the greater Atlanta area to work. So you definitely Mm -hmm. have a huge huge population increase and especially with covid it's probably across the board but more people spend way more time outside so the number of people outside hunting fishing hiking just being there you know you definitely see an increase of people on the on the land but mm-hmm. as far as the actual fishing pressure i don't think the fishing pressure is really an issue necessarily and you know due to that mm-hmm.
1: well i guess it depends on the area like the state of georgia has a uh no size limit on brook trout. You can keep eight, you can keep eight fingerlands, you can keep eight ten inches. So a lot of people, especially culture up around Raven County, the very like that was their say Sunday afternoon ritual was to go catch eight brook trout and eat them. So I I would love to see some sort of size or you know, some creeks, some watersheds that were maybe protected from like the mm-hmm. natives. But currently trout is trout period trout rainbow trout brown trout brook trout eight any size it doesn't matter there's no differentiate between them
0: new jersey native. I, I believe new jersey went brook trout completely no kill if i'm not mistaken if not the whole state a big portion of it did you guys know that nope. yeah, no yeah it's, it's good it's good good precedent good good precedent
2: there's definitely a lot of other states, you know, North Carolina has like more of a four fish limit with a seven inch size limit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our, just like, you know, Northern brook trout are a little bit bigger than Georgia brook trout, but not too many Georgia brook trout get over eight inches. So, you know, if you had some kind of size limit, you basically, you know, the only fish that could be harvested would be those four or five year old fish that made it yeah, Right. You have a little, you know, a much better population. Of smaller fish, but now I, I've been on a few brook trout streams in my life and met a guy that had six four-inch brook trout in a Gatorade bottle
0: to and, eat. Uh, <laughs> like yeah,
2: I mean, Paul? not much of a meal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that was his. That was his krill, if you will. It was oh, a God. you know okay, yeah, twenty-inch, a twenty-ounce 20 Gatorade bottle. You know, it's got six trout in it. So that's yeah, uh, well, and some of that's culture, but you know, I think. I'm, I'm not necessarily for a complete catch and release, which would be great on our wild fish, but, you know, I think a size limit and some every, almost every other state we go to, you know, the fishing regulations take up, you know, 25 pages in Georgia, eight trout, any size, have at it, you wow. know, I mean, no it's, matter where you are. <laughs> it's super simplified and uh, in the past, the, uh, the people in charge of that in Georgia, I, I actually know them, their biggest, goal was to get people fishing not necessarily the resource management side of it Mm -hmm. right so they would always say well there's not enough people to fish that but it doesn't take a lot of pressure either no which uh, i can't ever say there's too many streams i've ever fished i thought you know it's got fished out it's a combination of that temperature change or Mm -hmm. you know siltation from road building or whatever that's happened plus the pressure you know i think the pressure probably finishes it off but Mm -hmm. it's not the main
0: issue so another question i've got um to talk to you about is the is the look of these fish they they almost look like another species I mean you totally you, different they are a lot different would do you know anything about this or can you speculate is it the habitat is a different strain any any thoughts here
2: I, I think it's absolutely a, a different you know I think the genetic work that's been done shows it's a southern strain of brook trout mm-hmm. uh you know whether it's I don't think it's it obviously I hadn't got to the subspecies side, you know, that far yet. But our brook trout overall have way more red spots mm-hmm. than than a, a northern brook trout is going to have and a uh, way less yellow spots. And uh, they don't have as the worm markings on the back are a lot, a lot fainter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, uh, near big the time. Water. Yeah. And basically, a lot of those high elevation streams have a real, they have a lot of rock. You know, it's bedrock and sand. Mm-hmm. So our fish will have a, uh, a real tannish color to them instead of being dark or anything for the most part mm-hmm. they uh they definitely we actually fished some creeks this summer that have 100 northern brook trout that were stocked in them you know in the 70s or 80s and that became a natural population and when you catch those fish and compare them to a, a native brook trout from georgia completely different fish i mean they look nothing alike yeah I mean, they're got brook to... trout but they really look nothing alike
0: I'll, I can go back and look at some of the videos uh, that you guys had but um actually the, I think the one where you were testing the beaver meadow um you were holding some fish in that one that looked a lot different. are there some videos that you would um, that you would mention the title wise that uh, that show this more than others how the fish looks so much different? Yeah,
2: okay we uh, I think saw like epic day or something like that and uh, we fished in the smokies that's a small creek that we go and fish once a year it's not easy to get to
0: mm-hmm.
2: but uh it's, it's absolutely awesome it's tiny you can jump across it about anywhere mm-hmm. but the uh we actually catch some fish up to about 10 inches in it yeah and uh they and it's never been stopped you know it's it's basically the way it comes into the main stream it's, it's kind of it's been isolated that entire time but also the uh the video we did in georgia Things it's called bees, bees, and more bees. Where I got yeah. stung by the yellowjackets on a waterfall. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: That's
2: a that's a really really tiny creek, and it comes into a creek that's had it has wild rainbows in it, but it's never been stocked. I mean those those are the fish that have been there forever, mm-hmm. and they're definitely a unique. They, you know, you want to say they look like Arctic char or something in there in a way or whatever, but they definitely have a unique look to them since they're one hundred percent pure.
0: Yeah. Well, Trout Power is doing a lot more genetic work all the way down to genome, um, and this wow. big, big investment on that. So eventually, when that whole thing happens, um, your fish and the way that they look um, down to the chromosome would it'll be interesting to 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 look at that. Um, that being said, too, I am so serious, you guys. You've got to come up here. I mean you know, if I come down and fish with you, I'm going to be scared shitless for snakes and all kinds of stuff. You come up here and you're going to, the only thing that's going to hurt you is like, you know, sticking your hand in a hole and getting slug on your finger, or maybe some bees once in a while, but nothing's going to hurt you up here. You got to get up here. And the, and you talk about different look of fish, these Adirondack brook trout up here with that tannic water, the dark, just, you know, the dark uh, vermilion and purples and, and colors are just really cool. I think you'd love it. And they do get and they do get pretty good size, you know, trying, you know, getting you guys on a fish that's 12 inches long is probably almost guaranteed. Um oh, yeah. 20s happen, not often, but high teens definitely if you do the time, which I know you would. You know, you'd get some great and native fish on, uh, you know, non-stocked fish. Um We go ahead.
2: Awesome thing. That's an awesome thing. I had a, I fished in Ontario. Uh, back in the mid 2000s at uh, did a uh, consulting job a guy had a fishing lodge and wanted to know if you could catch brook trout on a fly rod there so <laughs> and uh, the fir- first fish I caught was out in a like a lake outlet I guess you would say and it was a 24 inch brookie and I was ready to go home you know that oh was my God. a lifetime achievement I checked off there with the a yeah. two-foot brookie but they uh, they had a lot of in that lake you know I would say the average fish was about 18 to 20 inches and it was tannic water it was a pretty cool experience so yeah, You know, if, well, you, if you grew up catching six inch brookies, a, a 20 inch brookie multiple times in a week was a pretty
0: cool experience. And it's, it's amazing. Actually, it's pretty neat. We're, we're, we kind of talk about how the, our area, we're kind of in this weird heyday. It's almost like it's the, um the calm before the storm because we figure climate change is coming, but right. But with acid rain depletion, the, the uh Northern brook trout fishing is really, really phenomenal right now, but we're already seeing glimpses of, of uh temperature changes that quite certainly are going to be catastrophic to populations so, um i don't
1: think you'll have any trouble with me and him traveling to come see you <laughs> We was already planning to go to pennsylvania that's what i I know spring. that's what you
0: said you got to come here you, you just you just have to now, please uh, please do um you could meet the crew up here and you know we'll have a good time for we sure know. let's change gears a little bit because i know we're talking about georgia and brook trout and everything but you guys have done so much i don't want to push you to talk about favorites but can you talk about some unique places that you would say if if people were had the time maybe were retiring really excited about fishing uh what where would you send people that you would say you've had these unique experiences the places are beautiful i know they all are beautiful but can you talk about that at all You've done the recon, you know, in the United States,
1: man, the the Smoky Mountains, I think, as far as the Southeast and native trout fishing, the Smoky Mountains to me are just, they have an excellent management plan and they, it's, it's, it's bar none. Some of the best uh, brook trout fishing that I've done.
0: Just trout species yeah. in general too. Any kind of, any kind of trout. Oh
2: yeah. I got, I got a list. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Oh yeah. Um. We, uh, in, in Utah, that Yellowstone cutthroat, mm-hmm. we, uh, that's one of the coolest, um, Ooh. I consider myself a pretty decent small stream fisherman <laughs> and that was the ultimate test. I caught one fish in about six hours. They were it's super tiny, super tight. I mean, there was literally four or five pools on the whole creek. You could actually bow an arrow cast into.
1: And there were and, cattle crossings. We had yeah. to catch them in cattle crossings.
2: Basically where the, the free range cattle had stomped down enough bushes to be able to get to the water. And, uh, so cool story about that was, I mean, you should go see it. It's in the middle of absolutely nowhere. I mean, it's not somewhere you stumble across. You have to, it's up, you actually go into uh, Idaho and then come back into to Utah mm-hmm. to get to it. So it's a, it's an awesome place, but, uh, cool story on that. I think is ADO's fish have been there forever and they're kind of isolated from all other Yellowstone populations. So it's kind of a, a neat, basically a relic left there in, in Utah. But, uh, I caught that fish. The one I caught in the video, I actually caught on a beetle. I had tied in the mid two thousands to catch big, uh, you know, stock fed fish when the water was low. We had a really good terrestrial season. I'd been carrying that beetle pattern for what, 15 years there probably. And, uh, so that that was a cool place. You should see. You'll never stumble across it without making a, a trip there. Um, in my adventures, the bull trout that we caught, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of places. You know, Fern, Fernie, British Columbia, is probably the big bull trout place or the salmon. But mm-hmm. we actually caught those uh those bull trout there in Idaho in the Boise drainage, yeah, and
1: over nine thousand feet.
2: Yeah, and that was all that was in it was uh was bull trout and a few really nice you know native red bands. I probably caught one there about 13, 14 inches, which was a, a, in, in the biggest pool in the creek. But uh, that we got lucky. They actually had a mule deer hunt going on. The season was open. So a road that would normally be closed was open. So we drove maybe 30 miles across the ridge line there on an open road that's usually closed to get there. We literally were able to drive drive within about 30 yards of, the, of a bull trout creek and catch them. That was a, a cool experience.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Otherwise, you'd have to make a really miserable
1: five or six mile hike from the bottom <laughs> sure the beaver meadow
0: caught that bull trout yeah it's awesome you're the catching of these of these fish for me um if i catch a a a lake trout and a brook trout and i hold them um i don't know if you guys have caught lake trout but they're they're definitely both char and they're they've got this kind of smooth wet kind of wet velvet feeling to them you know like super smooth um and they feel very similar and they look similar conversely if you catch a a rainbow trout for example um they seem different to me i'm curious like when you guys are catching cuts and bowls and rainbows and browns and brookies if you had to categorize them where like does a cutthroat if you had to take a cutthroat and say a cutthroat seems to me more like a brookie or a brown or a rainbow or what how would you segment these in regards to the the diversity of how these fish look, feel?
2: I think, uh, I think there's bull trout, obviously they're a char. So mm-hmm. when you, when you hold, when you see one in the water, you know, it's just like seeing a brook trout. It's got, it had their white tip, their mm-hmm. white tip fins. I mean, you know, they're a char. I mean, it was honestly, it wasn't much different than catching a brook trout in Georgia, just in a much different place. And they obviously look different, but they were definitely, but, uh, rainbows. I mean, most of the time I think rainbows probably have coarser scales, you know, as a, as a habit. So they're a little rougher, I guess, when you, when you see a, a you know, a rainbow, the the cutthroats though, I think to me cutthroats that you're talking about being kind of smooth, silky, most of the cutthroats kind of have that almost leathery type skin. If that's mm-hmm. a word. Yeah. But it's really smooth. They're, I th- they probably have smaller scales, you know, anyway, but that, uh, they definitely, you definitely tell the difference between those and a rainbow. And but, uh, and
0: if you took the same question and you talk about how easy they are to catch or hard they are to catch, you'd start touching upon this a little bit. Which ones are the you know the sons of bitches? They're always hard to catch, and and which ones are easy? Any are they all the same? What?
2: I, I honestly, in my opinion, um, wild fish in those little creeks. You know, if you don't if you don't walk on top, if you don't spook them, you know, and present a fly to them, I I don't think wild fish are overly complicated to catch on the, on a the normal average place anywhere. Mm-hmm. E, even in Alaska, to me, after guiding on a place that gets fished, you know, 350 days a year for a lot of time, when mm-hmm. I got it in Alaska, fish eat either starve to death. So unless you just stand on top of them and spook them, you know, or you set a fly to them, you they're easier to catch. I think overall wild fish are easier to catch, which is probably bad because they're easier to catch, right? For people to to Wait. you know affect the population of places. But most wild fish at elevation, they either eat or starve to death. So they got a short growing season. So I, overall, I,
0: I don't know if it was where we were in the Smokies, you know, just outside of Gatlinburg, but they were, the, I have never ever, that was the hardest fishing. I think I'd do better on a chalk stream in England than fit, <laughs> than the uh, Smokies. <laughs> that was diff. That it's was,
1: we've what? had some tough days. Huh? We've had some tough days.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in, here in georgia you get in the summertime the water gets super super low and hot and in the smokies as well you know those fish are spooky i've seen them spook from you know it seem like you you pop your head over a rock 30 yards behind them and they take off up the creek exactly. but i think that's just a, a time but especially out west you know if you're there from july 4th to middle of september and fishing for wild fish you know don't get pressure you know if you fish the the snake right through the middle of jackson hole or you know, the green at Flaming Gorge or any of those places that see a huge amount of fishing pressure, those fish get smart. But your average wild fish in the middle of a desert in Nevada, not the sharpest. You know, you, you flip an elk hair in front of him, he's going to eat it. I mean, it's it just. It but is, is the what water? It is.
0: But is the water clear? It's still got oh, that yeah. tint. It, uh, to me, I think that at least in the Smokies and in in Southern New York, and it looks like from what I see with you guys down there, where the water is. Is clearer than gin. I mean it's so clear. If you if I saw a fish in the smokies, I, that fish was not catchable. If I saw, if I right. could see him, that fish was not catchable. Um and in the Adirondack's up here where you're fit, you know, you're fishing in water that's coffee, you never see the fish. The only thing you'll see the only thing you see is like if your fish missed your fly and like, oh, there's a fish there. You never yeah. see them because the water's so dark. Do you find you're so you're talking about out west. That these wild fish are easy to catch, but the water's still clear. To me, it seems like if the water's clear, even these wild fish are hard to catch. But you would you would say no?
2: Uh, yeah, I think. I mean, the good thing is those tiny creeks. You could, you know, it's a lot of sight fishing. You can see them. But as long we always fish upstream, you know, I think if you walk out on the head of the pool and stand over them, you know, everything it tries to. I used to tell my clients, everything that tries to eat a trout comes from above. If you think about it. -hmm. So, they, you know, if you're lording over the top of them, yeah, you're going to spook them. But we always fish upstream, come up behind them, and definitely use cover. And I'll take this chance to throw my old man a bone. His favorite line was, uh, These trout are unique. You you unique up on them or you don't catch them. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that's great. He worked, uh, my old man worked in a fly shop for 20 plus years. I've heard him
1: say that about 350,000 times, but (laughs) it really does sound true. You guys got to. If you, you gotta, watch any of our videos, we are become or we have became masters of bow and arrow casting in tiny creeks to put distance from us in the next pool. Some of our videos, I think there's a picture of me floating out there. I'm laying on my stomach over the edge of a uh, little, like a rise the on the ground in a bend of a pool to try to reduce my profile to even cast it and catch. I end up catching one. I used about two foot of the fly rod and the five foot fly rod. So, no, we definitely have some tough days,
0: right? Which you don't have my five footer, you got a different one.
1: No, sir, I got your five footer.
0: You have my five footer. The Beaver Meadow is the five footer, not six six. So, the so I the new, six, six, The but the, <laughs> the six six glass is the one that's coming, right? Yes, sir, right? Um, Beaver three, I'd be number three. Yeah, that's great. That's great because I was, uh, <laughs> um the, well i was at a fishing show in Marlboro, massachusetts and and uh people were picking up the five footer you know and and they wanted to take it to the pool and cast it and i'm like well you can go cast it but that's not what it's for no you no. know <laughs> if you want to cast it just stand right here grab the end of the leader and just you know bow and arrow it right into the to the corner of the booth and yeah. that's it that's what it's going to do mm-hmm. so uh that's great yes. So, tactic wise, uh, again, I'm sorry that I'm like so comparative. I guess I'm living in this, uh, my own little world up here, thinking about brook trout up this way. We have brookies um, that will, tiny little brook trout that'll take a, a good size muddler or big, you know, big fly. Mm-hmm. You guys, your tactics from watching the video have, are a little bit, um, you go back and forth, right? You got like attractors, and then sometimes like you're getting kind of technical. Um, can you talk a little bit about tactics and stuff for a second?
2: Yeah, it, I would say overall our go-to fly, um, early season, March, April, our water's a little higher. We have a lot of rain that time of year. Mm-hmm. So I, I use more of an attractor, maybe a, a big size 10 stimulator. Like you say, a, a four inch brook trout will come up and eat a size 10 stimulator and have his, you know, they have huge mouths for their bodies. But, uh, as it progresses on into the summer. I just downsize and fish. Maybe a sixteen or eighteen stimulator or elk hair is is probably our our go to. Um, I I fish droppers a little bit more than Adam does. He uh, he doesn't. He that's
1: my experience. He uh, he gets
2: tangled up a little bit more and gets mm-hmm. frustrated. So, so
1: I, I, I why, fish Adam. droppers a little more. <laughs> why? Because the streams we fish in are choked with rhododendron. nobody do know where No, I said is.
0: so. I was saying so. Do I? Oh. I fish the I fish the east branch oh, yeah. of Delaware this last year and the guy put three flies uh he, the guy tied three flies on and i i gave the i gave it back to him i'm like <laughs> i'm like In
1: our one. Put the, thing up. <laughs> the, the real side of it i'm pretty sure there's not a video that's went by that i'm not showing us digging flies out of the trees so yeah well
0: Part you gotta choose it. you gotta hamp's you know he's he probably can show us a lot of stuff but i Absolutely. it does get frustrating when you're spending more time take you know untangling your dropper and stuff so oh yeah
2: it, you know it, it's a <clears throat> I tell you, yeah it's a part of it though right i mean it's a the, to me the joy of fly fishing especially what we do for a living now is that when you're out there fishing you don't think about anything else you're so focused especially you know trying to bow an air cast under a road of dinner which kind of takes your mind mm-hmm. you have that hour or two of so I think when I was younger, I got more frustrated getting hung up. Now it's just a chance to stand there and untie my fly. I don't yeah, get that's right. know, too much stress about it. That's but, right. uh, but you know, when I do fish a dropper down here, I never put it more than maybe a foot under the fly. I don't use a very long dropper. Just mm-hmm. uh, you'll catch some fish. Where they won't come up for that dry, you know, at certain times. So they'll eat that little nip below it. Yeah. But uh, as far as tactics, you know, we uh, the biggest thing is coming up from behind them. Um, we probably use shorter leaders than a lot of people. You know, I think a lot of people get in that either yeah. you have a seven and a half foot leader or a nine foot leader or maybe a twelve foot leader. We fish a lot. Of, I fish a lot of leaders that are seven and a half foot leaders with three feet of them cut off off oh. you know, the back end. And
1: like Hamp taught me, as far as tactics is, uh, like when you come, like fly changing, you know, they're they're hungry for the most part. It's finding something that they'll eat. Like I've, you can see, like you sight fish, you can see the fish, you throw your stem layer up there, they come up and they're like, nah, I'm okay. And they go back down. Well, then you're like, I, in me, I was like, oh, they ain't, they ain't biting. I'll just move on. Well, Ham's taught me, you know, over the years, it's like a change a fly. So that's what I started doing. You stand there and change fly. Hamp will stand there 30 minutes for one fish. <laughs> then he'll finally catch that fish and he's okay. You know, <laughs> So learning the patience for me and the fly changing flies has has been like really successful in my ability to catch the fish.
0: And Adam, is that across the board or just in these little streams? Uh,
1: across the board, yes, sir. Uh, no small streams, uh, stock. You know, like uh, delayed harvest streams, all, all all across the board, even out west. You know, just changing flies, finding something that they think. That they, that they see in the stream that they're like, okay, I'll eat that. I'm comfortable eating that bug. Even the same size flies, just changing the size makes, like I have an assortment of stimulators, all colors, but even within that color, I have 16, a 14, a 18, and just changing from a 14 down to a 16 sometimes makes a difference in catching the fish.
0: Why has it always got to be smaller? You know? god i hate that right (laughs) we carry some really tiny flies it's like you know they wouldn't hit the 18 but man i put on that size eight and they just crushed it you know that doesn't happen (laughs) that much unfortunately i wish it did so your line of work guys i gotta i gotta ask you so in law enforcement um god bless you dealing with what you do you know, part of this whole podcast kind of is a little bit more philosophical about life and stuff. There's got to be a story here where you must have done your day job and been like, just disgusted with humanity. And then you end up (laughs) up hitting the stream. Uh, I mean, this is the epitome of of why we go out there. Can you, I hate to ask for a confession or anything, but I mean, can you give me some kind of story of just, you know, shit's just going bad and you're just like, I just got to hit the stream and why that's so important to you. Do you mind?
2: Yeah. I, I would say uh, Adam and I worked together in a somewhat stressful side of law enforcement for, for about three years. Mm-hmm. And uh, honestly, <laughs> If our boss ever sees this, it is what it is. But we uh, we would work four days really hard, and uh, we took a, one day during the week, whether it be a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we whether the weather was best. And mm-hmm. that's honestly a lot of our content got filmed there, but more than anything, it was just a big break. So was, I think more than just a single event, any law enforcement officer has a, a list of single events that were horrible, but it's kind of the uh, – when you've been in it over a decade, it starts to add up to just a combined, you know, mess – for, for most law enforcement officers. So to me, that one, I did it for a living for a long time. And it was, I used to think that was stressful if you couldn't get a client on a fish, but now I've, I've basically 180 to where it's now my stress relief, you know, that, that day on the water. So honestly, when the weather's decent, I
1: try to fish one day a week and work four. And uh, our boss, he knew I mean, we, we wasn't playing hooky. We, yeah. we told him that was the cost of doing business. It was our sanity. <laughs> And he was like, okay, you know, guys do what you got to do. So then we'd come back, you know, pump the next week, you know, or the next day, like this reset button has been hit Well, for
0: another four days, sir. <laughs> well, that fuel, right. You got to fill the tank back up. Yeah. That's for That's sure. It. And there are, and I mean, I don't know how you see it, but I think there are a lot of people that, that are running on empty and they don't realize, Yeah, it's, they just don't realize yeah. what you can experience by getting out there.
2: It's uh, I think it's it's probably all lines of work, but you know, my my both of our wives are in the medical field since COVID. You know, it's the same thing for them. I mean, everybody's just kind of maxed out. So mm-hmm. a couple of hours a week catching a brook trout or any fish, but mostly you know catching those wild fish for us. But that that out there, if you walk a mile in somewhere and don't see anybody and just fish, that's a it's definitely a a reset button for making another week.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Wow, I'm glad that you guys can experience I
1: tell that. That trying to they talk about because they watch, you know, people at work around us watch our videos and they're like, I've always wanted to try fly fishing. So <laughs> you, you go in to explain it to them. There's like, I just don't see the 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 draw. And then you go into the draw, it's like you literally stand in the creek in a beautiful place. I said, All you can think about is pulling back that rod just a little more to get it to that next spot. I'm gonna to try to get underneath this rhododendron bush. You're you're so focused on the the take of the fish, you know, the movement. Is it is it refusing my fly? And you can go on and on, but it's that it's that laser focus that you're not thinking about, oh, I gotta do this at work or I got this going on. So it's super relaxing, which sounds weird because it sounds stressful that you're worried about stuff, but you're really not. Does
0: that make any sense <laughs> it, no yeah that extreme amount of focus is a different that's that's not the same stress of you know not having not to do your job Uh you know and my wife's a nurse and uh and uh, so during covid she didn't have a break you know and then there was all this in new york there was all this horseshit afterwards about you know, vaccines and all this other stuff, and and different things that they were pushing yeah. on nurses, and it was like it was it was as though the industry completely forgot that that these uh, medical professionals got us through the pandemic, and then they're like, you know, giving them giving them crap. Yeah,
2: absolutely, <laughs> my uh, my wife always says, you know, we got hero signs in 2020, and now they want to you know cut your pay or make you work triple time or you know whatever yeah. it is is yeah. short lived. <laughs> It's kind of like yeah. that meme though, I always tell her. I was like, you know, first time, you know, you see the guy hanging or whatever, it's like first time, you know, that's that's kind of law enforcement, right? You go through these cycles where you're loved and then you're hated and yeah. loved again. It's part of it, I guess.
0: Yeah, I know. Well. Um so I'll get to a close here. Adventures coming down the line. Obviously you're going to come up to New York, you're going to do Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, sure. So what make else? A, make a north northeastern sweep for sure. Is it um, you gonna go? You gonna go to Maine, Vermont, or no?
1: Ooh, don't know if we make it that far.
0: <laughs> we're well, close not, though, right? He probably wants to. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, you know, define close. It's just like saying expensive, right? You know, look at yeah, Adam. I mean, Adam just bought another fly rod, right? Is it expensive? I mean, uh, <laughs> but is it close? Old you're you're four. You're probably four or five hours from the border, of Maine. But um. At the same token, I mean, we could, it would be great to have you in the Adirondacks and fish the Western central where we are, where I am, and then take you to the high peaks of the Adirondacks where the Olympics were and stuff. And you'll see how much harder it is to catch brook trout in the high peaks because there just isn't as much water compared to where we are. Um, And if you want to go to Maine and stuff, you can, but um, man, we got so much stuff to do for you here. Are you, so you're staying Northeast pretty much. That's your next adventure.
2: I think that's planned, but I'm um, hopefully across those fingers. Um, we put in for elk tagging. I put in for elk tagging. Wyoming been waiting four years for that, so we'll probably do some do some Wyoming fishing while we're there. There's no point in going to Wyoming not fishing. Yeah, that's. But cool. uh, I would also, if it works out, I would like to. Uh, I've been working on the cal. I've done one trip to California for their uh, native trout. Their hair. I think they call it a heritage heritage yeah. heritage trout challenge so i think i'm maybe three fish short of that so i'd like to go out and uh maybe around the reno fly to reno type of area hit up a uh, lahontan there close there and then catch a paiute cutthroat, which is one of those uh unicorns that i haven't caught yet so that's it <laughs> that's a, awesome. that's a an, an adventure in itself you know i think it's about a 13 mile one-way hike to to get to the creek that's great so that's, that's awesome. a several day adventure but yeah. that's that's my summer hopefully if it works out
0: Wow, well, that sounds like a great that sounds like a great goal yeah. um, we're going to any... also
1: redo our five state <laughs> I got to finish it <laughs> our five oh, state uh, challenge
0: <laughs> well good luck with that one too um, you're going <laughs> to try to do that you're to do that this year you think
1: Adam? hopefully later spring, later than we've done it last year yeah just one day just one day texas a day five (laughs) Five states in one day yeah
0: yeah all journeys begin with the first step um (laughs) that's great any uh any questions for me before we close up anything i can do for you no i
1: think i'm good i i'm looking forward to coming to new york and uh fishing some new water
0: yeah you got it you guys drink you guys drink beer no, oh, absolutely. Oh, Twist our arm. Okay. <laughs> just check, Just want to make sure how we're, you know, how much fun we're really going to have. All right. That's good. Mm-hmm, we got right. that covered. Uh, you know, this,
2: my, I'll tell you my favorite beer.
0: What's that? Free beer?
2: Free, free beer. Yeah. <laughs> so, so long as you got free beer, I'm good. Yeah, uh-huh, Yeah. Okay. mine's free
0: beer, cold beer. And then after that, anything that's not an IPA.
1: So uh, yeah. I like them about as black as my shirt
0: okay good we got some stuff here for you there's um uh, maybe <laughs> we can maybe we can work in a brewery tour uh at saranac brewery Absolutely. tour for you right, right here <laughs> awesome well um this is going to be great to get this on there um uh i don't know if you guys are open to it but um i think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to have questions so think about whether or not i can um how people can contact you. I don't know if you want to go through messenger or whatever. So your email doesn't get smashed, but I got a feeling that people are going to want to reach you, Adam and Hamp and ask you questions because you have certainly expressed that you've got a lot more knowledge than just catching, um, you know, brook trout in Appalachia and, and there's going to be a lot of questions there. So think about how people can get a hold of you and let me know about that. Um, uh, can you guys just kind of in closing, just give a wrap up on where people can find you on youtube and social media
2: uh our youtube channel is called blue line outfitters and that's where we're at so uh, we also have a facebook page under the same name and uh it's out there if anybody's looking we normally put our links to our videos out there and uh then some of course some pictures and stuff as we go kind of leak i guess information you know some pictures of what's coming mm-hmm. so you can check that out too
0: we'll get that we'll get all that stuff in the show notes for you i sure do appreciate you guys coming on here
2: sounds good
0: well there you go there's our episode with blue line outfitters down in georgia and as you can hear they've fished a lot more places than that and we look forward to seeing a lot more adventures that they're going to be doing both uh with us and uh and on their own there's so much information that they have to share and i have been asking adam that he goes ahead and uh, tries to do a little bit more how-to uh, instruction on the YouTube channel especially with our fly rods their bow and arrow and roll casting is just phenomenal and um, I'd like to learn a little bit more about how they do that so Adam agreed that he's going to do that he also is going to be doing an unboxing of the recent blue liner classic uh, theme s-glass beaver meadow that we have been uh, working on and we made that for Adam so he's going to be unboxing that and showing everybody uh, uh, how to string that up, and I hope you uh, enjoy seeing the joy in his face from getting all these goodies that he got from us. So it's certainly, uh, certainly a great feeling to be able to do that for somebody that is as talented as these two guys and their friends too. So thanks so much for listening to In the Scene podcast. We got another one coming up here shortly with Jim Celestio. Jim is a IGFA world record holder for five records on uh, fly rods, and some of them have been on our rods. So, we've got a great episode with Jim that will be coming up uh, in a couple weeks. So, stay tuned. Maybe you might want to backcast, listen to some previous episodes that we have uh, recorded. And don't forget to check us out on jprossflyrods.com. We've got a lot of content and information on there for our love of being outside. So, remember, get outside simply fish and be happy we'll talk to you soon and we will see you on the water take care